Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. So, first, I do need to make a comment regarding the long absence, the immense delay of the uh, the Jedi Fallen Order episode. So, as you know, I got a bunch of sick, and then in the middle of getting all that sick, I got a bunch of laid off, and then I got a bunch of sick and laid off. So, February is a pretty crappy month for me. Yeah. So even though I technically had a lot of time, I also had a lot of sick. I had ear infections. I had all I, kinds of other stuff. I, too, have had a lot of sick and also had some of the um, laid off. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's been a... It's Great been, economy, people. Yeah, wonderful. Um, but uh, I'm feeling nice and healthy again, just in time for uh, flu season to download the coronavirus DLC expansion. See, now, see, I'm wondering right now, see, if we make a coronavirus joke, in a week, is it going to be dated and like, haha, so funny? Or is it going to be like dated and like, we're all dead from coronavirus? But anyway, so, 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 so here's... This isn't the coronavirus episode. This isn't the coronavirus, but, but since now that it is, now here's a cool little bit of science I was learning oh. about today that is going to perhaps be the reason why, as it becomes a pandemic, it actually gets better is because, as this is how I understand it, so there's all these tiny mutations that viruses make every time they infect someone. So some of those mutations are make it less deadly and other of them might make it more deadly. But here's the catch. The ones that make it more deadly kill you and then you can't spread it anymore. The ones that make it less deadly make it more likely for you to be out and about and spreading the disease everywhere. But when you spread the less deadly version, people who get the less deadly version now are immune to the more deadly version. And so it's almost like you almost create a herd immunity by people act sort of inadvertently with asymptomatic people, for example, spreading a, a weaker strain of coronavirus that they picked up, spread that and almost sort of vaccinate people around them to the more deadly version if that happens to come through. And all, so I'm going to say, all I'm going to say to this is, firstly, what you're saying then is just go out there, get the coronavirus, people. Stop washing your hands, start touching your face. No, no, don't, don't, don't do that because... <laughs> Build a herd immunity. We don't want to do... We don't want to <laughs> spread... We don't want that, that, like, that worse version to spread, that the mutation that happens that it's going to be worse. <laughs> we want the the not so bad versions. So wash your hands and, and do all that other stuff. And you should do it even after the coronavirus is less of is not You should just deal. wash your hands, you man. Just wash, just wash your, hands. your hands. Don't touch your face so much. If you like stick your finger up your nose, wash your hand again um, and use a tissue next time and then we'll still wash your hand when you use a tissue. The real shame of it is if we were talking about a a, a video game I recently played, this would actually be a great segue moment. But we're not doing that yet. We might not today at all. This is going to be two main topics today because instead we're going to talk about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, an anime that we technically have discussed before, but that's in one of the lost episodes. <laughs> oh man, that's right. <laughs> um, I forget which one that was. It was a lot of good talking about anime, but no, I, I finally, finally, after months, finished the... Um, First, quote-unquote, season on Which Netflix. Which is basically the first two books, I guess. It's like the first two major story arcs. It's right. and, Which means it's also the first two major generations of uh, 
Joe Star that we encounter. Um, right. We have Jonathan Joe Star is the first one, and then we go to his grandson, uh, Joseph. Joseph Joe Star. That's right. Yeah. Um, so so I've I've watched up through. Uh, was it Yosuke? In what season is that? I think Jotaro is the next one. That's the no Jotaro. Wait, uh, no. Jotaro is the grandson of Joseph. Right. Wait. I don't remember. Like, there's like diamonds are unbreakable, which sounds yeah, that's like the one. I, that's one I've watched after Diamond. I haven't finished Diamond is unbreakable. Um, I think. Wait. Whichever. Whatever. I watched the, the whole two seasons after. Um, after that, and then got through another season of the next arc. But so the, the, the first season is my favorite. I still. Yeah, and that's actually what my where my brother stands on it. Um, pun unintended. Uh, <laughs> but the um, there's no stands yet. Not not for me. No, I forget what the first arc's referred to, but the second one I know. Well, I don't even remember what their actual official names. My brother just calls it like the Pillar Men arc, mm-hmm. and I understand because it's about the Pillar Men. Okay. But I think I'm going to come in here with a very, very unpopular opinion. Um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is at its best before Dio becomes a vampire. Which means before it becomes any crazy real fighting anime stuff. I liked the show best when it was just this over-the-top drama. Like, old-fashioned drama, especially between these two regular guys. That's that's what re- that is actually what really hooked me is I'm like what what is this show? It was me, <laughs> Dio. Like the over the top. You thought it would be Jonathan. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, I was about to st- like I, when I finally came back after a long break of not having even like I had, I didn't even finish that first arc. Um, I came back to it and it had a like Netflix just starts playing their trailer, which yeah. sometimes is just a scene from whatever you're about to watch. And it was the scene where. Uh, Jonathan is confronting Dio about like the letter he found and his uh, Dio's father and everything. And I'm watching this. I'm like, this is really fun to watch. <laughs> Why isn't the show this fun to watch anymore? Like, what happened? And as we did discuss last time, a lot of it has to do. I attributed a lot to the pacing of the show. Felt like it was increased. It felt like they were trying to rush through a bunch of manga material in order to get to a certain story point. And while I think that's still true, the biggest issue is just the fact that they they, they narrate everything. See, I think that's fun. I'm so used to it. And this is where yeah. you're, at, you, you're at an advantage because you haven't watched a lot of anime. That's true. I'm at a disadvantage because to me it's like, oh gosh, it's another one of those. And I'm kind of like, because more unpopular opinion, because the one of the big, one of the it's big. Chris with anime, the hot takes here today. It is. One, one of the big anime that's been a lot of people been loving lately is Demon Slayer. I watched the first episode of that show. And it's like, oh gosh, they gotta explain that he actually threw the act at this point, it was really a distraction, and this boy's so now, special! Now, here's something I can think of just real quick. So so Chris and I are divided on 
a really important issue when it comes to anime fans. Oh no. And and that is that I watch the subs and no, I watch the dubs. You watch the dubs. <laughs> You're just like, don't you dare accuse me of watching subs. <laughs> I watch dubs. No, watched, I do watches, watch subs, yeah. And he watches subs. Um, and I actually do feel like if I had to read everything that they say, that would be a lot more annoying than just listening to them say it. Maybe. Maybe, because it's not like there's a lot going on on screen while they're describing what's going on on screen. <laughs> and even that, that's part of the problem. Like They're describing exactly what's going on. Everything needs to be described. And while, like, I think what makes uh, Sir Speedwagon... Yes. Um, Robert so, E.O. Speedwagon. Uh, oh, my goodness. I love the name of conventions <laughs> of the show. You killed ACDC. <laughs> now I must defeat you. It's like, wait, we... we who? Highway to hell? What? But it's spelled like... It's spelled S-C-D-C. like A, a like C-E-E-D or something. Uh, yeah. in, uh, the way it's subtitled, at least, it's S-C-D-C or something like that. So like, it actually took me a little bit because I'm yeah. reading it as like S-C-D-C or something like that. Then all of a sudden I hear them pronounce it in Japanese and I'm like, oh, oh, oh I get this. I get this name. It's like how Zeppelin is actually Zeppelin. And then what? They introduce like plant and someone else. And like, Bonham and yeah. yeah and Paige. Plant Bonham and Paige or there something you go. like that. Or yeah. They don't last long. They do not. Um Yeah, but okay, so it's, it, it's definitely it's it's a stylistic choice. And again, I, I haven't watched a ton of anime, and so it's a little bit novel to me. And I just I've I found it to be a lot of fun. Now, I will say something interesting. So the other anime that I, I totally binged out on was My Hero Academia. And I did that in between watching, so I watched season, I watched seasons one through three of, of JoJo. And then I watched My Hero Academia, basically up, up almost to the current season. I, I didn't, now you gotta I wait didn't start the, the current season. Yeah, I gotta wait for the dub. And then I went back and tried to watch the next season of JoJo. And it was hard. Like, it wasn't as... It wasn't didn't feel as fun and novel. That's, that's kind of where I got a little bit hung up on that. So I will say, like, as it's lost its novelty, and as I've maybe been exposed to some more... I don't know. They're called shonen. Yeah, like shonen anime. Yeah, I also watched the One Punch Man in between there, too. Which I'm not sure, I mean, it is and it isn't. One Punch Man, because what is Shonen anime? Shonen stands for boy. Which means, like, when we're watching My Hero Academia, and we're watching JoJo's Bizarre, but we're technically watching stuff that's meant for people more than half our age. Like, this is, like, what middle school boys read or watch. Well, is, is JoJo a Shonen anime? I mean, that's kind of... I believe it's from uh, Shonen Jump. Okay. Uh, so was Fist of the North Star. You watch Fist of the North Star, and it doesn't seem very middle school boy after all. But it's it, part of it is also the time. JoJo is a lot older than like My Hero Academia. It's just only now getting this kind of a big adaptation because I believe the jo- I believe the Jotaro um, arc was already adapted back in the nineties. I believe I'd have to look it up. Mm-hmm. But um, regardless of a lot of that, I think. Part of that, like, for, I haven't gotten there yet, but like, what I've been told is basically once you've done the Pillar Men, JoJo kind of becomes your typical fighting anime. It's just, it, it loses all that 
pulp origin, that pulp horror origin and other stuff like that. You have like crazy cyborg Nazi man in Yeah. In uh I would agree with that it becomes more like every episode or maybe sometimes a lot of times there are two blocks of episodes. It's like, okay, here's the here's the villain and we have to come up with some clever way to defeat him. Well first he he's demonstrates some clever way of overpowering us. And so we need to find some clever way to defeat him. Yeah, um, so it develops a formula, which is... It's a, it develops very, it becomes very formulaic, very, very, and then that's just yep. every episode or every other episode you introduce. So in, in season two, it's um, basically all of um, spoilers. Uh, Dio gets resurrected. Um, and then he basically sends out a stand a stand user for each card in the tarot deck. Um, so if you've played the, any of the Persona games, this starts feeling very Persona, as each uh, each stand user has a, you know, has a different, yeah, is it, it represents- It's a different thing that it represents- It represents a different yeah. card from the tarot deck, which is the same as Persona, where each, each Persona is from a different tarot card. Or uh, Persona 4, at least. I don't know if that's the, true of all of them, but... I think that's somewhat true. Maybe it's only Persona Maybe that is only Persona I mean, I, I've never played any of them, therefore. Um, but anyway, so... The... So, yeah, so it, it becomes very formulaic where, right, um, the first season is just insane. Uh, where... Because, again, you're going, you're going between this, like, sort of... Oh, I don't want to call it Shakespearean, but definitely a classic sort of family rivalry. Um, yeah. And it's got this drama going on under it. And then Dio becomes a stinking vampire, of all things. And But that's where it's like you also start to get in your typical show. It's like, okay, now we're going to explain what um, Hammond is. We're going to explain this energy so you can su sur surpass normal human limits. And you can do all this amazing fighting stuff. And it's like, man, I've been watching this stuff since Dragon Ball Z when I was in middle school. Right. It's like, I already know about all of this stuff. I've had to see. It's like I've seen it over and over again. Like it's just, I've seen it in Hunter Cross Hunter. Um, it's in every. It's like one of those things that is just. It's I'm, I'm used to it. And what I, what I really like, like that's why I kind of don't want to keep going with it. Like I'm like you know what I watched what I did. I'm at a good point. I think I'm going to watch other stuff now, because I don't think I'll ever quite grasp like there are going to be meme moments that I'll, I'll appreciate like now that I understand the it was me Dio like I understand it better yeah. and I like it I like it a lot like seeing it like you're in on the joke but like the next joke that I have to be is like oh you're approaching me like that that's like the next joke for me to be in on and it's like I it's not really worth watching you know, just to be in on something that you like, like you, 20 hours of JoJo just to be in on a joke. Yeah, it's granted, though, there are some moments where it's like just crazy cyborg Nazi man. Nobody seems to talk about him. Yeah, no, crazy cyborg Nazi man was well, it's, it's like as, as a as it's, a as an American viewer, um, this show is like super politically incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> you have like, you know, the, the um, jo Joseph like, um, like creeping on his. He doesn't know that it's his mom. Like, oh gosh, yeah, 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 <laughs> you're yeah. Like, oh man, 
It's like, okay, that's actually, um, that's, that's, man, we've spoiled stuff here. Uh, we have kind of spoiled. Well, but in the, I mean, this is also like, how, how long ago did that season air at this point? I don't know. And again, and, like for, for a lot of people, it's going to be this big, I th- and that's the thing. I'm doubly ruined though, because I think what also ruined the, the, um, what other people find it is I, I, I've already watched some Fist of the North Star. And this is clearly inspired by Fist of the North Star, right down to having that rival character. Like, rival characters aren't done like they were in Fist of the North Star and JoJo. Like, now everyone's trying to make some form of Vegeta, because Vegeta eventually became a good guy. So what do you have in uh, Naruto? Naruto is angsty emo Vegeta. Um, (laughs) What do you have in... I don't think Bleach has anything like that. What do you have in My Hero Academia? You have angry Vegeta with less nuance, which is being unkind because he technically does. Just even though we've had like what should be a big character moment that changes Bakugo, he's acting the exact same for the most part. He's still telling everyone he'll kill them. Like, okay, fine, yeah, you're gonna have to like again. And this is like part of my thing. Like I've seen this stuff all over and over. I've watched so much of it, but what I honestly, I'd rather watch Fist of the North Star as old as that is. Then I would watch um, Judge's Bizarre Adventure. And I know for a lot of people that's like sacrilege right now, but it's... Well, so, I, I mean, I wonder, like, the the people that initially recommended JoJo to me were not people who have been, you know, seeped in anime for a long time. For a very, very long time. That is and, a possibility. Also, oh, sorry, also, I do think part of it, too... I have to wonder if JoJo could also have been improved by, and this might seem odd to a lot of people, but by better direction. So if the if the person weren't so intent on adapting everything as precisely as the comic had it, because as we've discussed before, mm-hmm. you even see it in American comics where Spider-Man will narrate his actions because you can't just draw every panel of all these intricate actions and everything. So they'll narrate for you. Um, Japanese manga has a tendency to do the same a lot of times. And Jojo's Bizarre Adventure clearly does. We don't need that when you adapt it into an actual anime, though. You can just draw it. And one of the things that I think that that really like makes the difference to me is I read a little bit of the Land of the Lustrous manga. And Land of the Lustrous the adaptation isn't even the full story. Like the comic's still going, they've only done one season, and I hope they do more because they do some incredible stuff as an adaptation that I think a lot of people like there's not enough people talking about it. There's not enough people talking about Land of the Lustrous because it's not your typical shonen kind of a thing. It's not your typical. It's not what you expect. It's not your typical power fantasy thing because every time its main protagonist grows stronger, she loses something. It's because she's suffered something. She loses a piece of herself, and it's like true to reality in that regard because the 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 the, the consequences you suffer, even for trusting someone change you and you stop being the person it's like in a lot of ways about growing up Hmm. but some of the stuff the director does 
like there's one scene towards the end that reminds me of the raptor kitchen scene from the original Jurassic <laughs> Park. And it's funny because I'm trying to figure out how would they do this in a comic? And having read a bit of the comic, they didn't. The director took what was in the comic and expanded upon it in a great way that fit the medium. Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, if it ditched, like not all of it, Keep some of the narration because, again, that's where, in the localization at least, um, Speedwagon has some great lines. He has some great, um, uh, oh, what does he say? Like, like, not blimey, not something as, like, he mm -hmm. says, like, something begins with the letter S. I can't remember what it is. Um, but he's got, like, period appropriate slang that helps, like, add to his commentary. You lose that once you get to some of the characters commenting during Joseph's. Um, yeah, because that's that's like American based essentially. So just because it really there's like some bits of it, American. but it's also just they they just the different characters kind of lose that. Yeah, but that that that's well, it takes place more in America, but he's still a Cockney. He's a Cockney, that's right, right, yeah, yeah, that's UK right. from uh, from London, uh, but it, it's. Actually, does the dub do the different accents? Yeah, no, they do some. They do. They do act some accents. Okay, I was actually curious about that. Um, but that's the, if you lose some of that, and you just okay, how what, how can we do this to the current medium? Instead, it's like the Zack Snyder approach. It's like the comic is our storyboards, and we're ad adapting it exactly as it was in the comic. See, okay, and it's I'm I'm kind of with you here. I, I maybe it could have been better, but at the same time, I part of what I appreciated about it was that it felt like somebody was taking the manga and putting it panel for panel on the screen. And I don't think every show should be like that, but I think that it is a I think it's a valid approach, and I think it is a fun approach for that. Maybe they're artistically, you could say, for an anime, you could do better. You could do better than just putting the manga, you know, note for note, panel for panel on the screen. But I, I liked it. I, I thought that that was actually a strong point of the show is how it, how it felt like it felt like reading a comic. Watching it, you're watching the show, but it feels like reading a comic. So, so I got this. I got to smile on my face because I just realized what I should do for the um, the image for today's episode. It should be Dio going, "Oh, you're approaching me." <laughs> Sephiroth on the other side, <laughs> or something like that. Maybe Barrett. Barrett would definitely challenge. Then again, Barrett's the sidekick that would challenge and get his butt kicked. That's true. But um, what time are we at? That's not actual time. That is not actual time. Here, let's hit the button so that it shows time. Jeez. What the heck? All right, we got a little bit of time before we get into the Final Fantasy VII Remake because we did both play that demo. Um, point of the story is, I mean, most people will probably enjoy JoJo's Bizarre Adventure more than I did. Uh, you should all go onto Amazon Prime and look up Land of the Lustrous and watch that. Not enough people talking about it. Land it's good. It needs a new season. I'll have, I'll have to check it out. Um, it needs uh, a new season. You also need to watch more Log, uh, Log Horizon, which, another example, because Log Horizon, the episode I told you to watch... They throw all kinds of names of abilities and attacks that were already explained, and I like that. They'll explain it the first time it's used, and once it's been explained, they just keep right, using just, it. Just start out. And it's, they, they don't do it narrate everything. 
Yeah, I feel like I would, I can highly recommend the season one of JoJo as a mostly bingeable, like you, you could watch it in, a, in pretty fast. I mean, you could probably just watch the first arc and be satisfied. Yeah. Um, it's I, just I, there's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. It's a tra- the tragedy of Jonathan Joestar. Um, and his wife. Uh, and, and you know what? It's they really, yeah, the first arc is, that's probably the best. That's the best representation. The second one, if you want like a just totally Joseph is so fun bonkers. Because <laughs> I will say that. Joseph is so He's fun. He's a lot of fun as a character. You want this totally bonkers, like off the wall, again, politically incorrect with like a Nazi essentially being a hero in the end. Um, like Sort of. <laughs> sort of. He's not really a hero, but he, anyway, it, it, it's... I mean, Joseph still doesn't like him at first because right, he's right. Nazi. I, I don't know. You're right. You're right. right. I, and so... If you if you can't stand any kind of humanization or positive treatment of Nazis at all, then maybe stay away. <laughs> he's still, like, he gets punched at least. Um, and he I, gets most I, of his body torn apart. Yeah, that's true. And, and so you can at least enjoy that if you want to... If you've ever thought about punching a Nazi, I've thought about punching Nazis before. Um... Then because you're a hipster, because I'm yeah something like that. Um, I hit a lot harder than most hipsters though. So <laughs> a- anyway, uh, I-, I really enjoy that. After that, I think I think that in the show loses a lot of its charm in seasons two and three, which are still enjoyable. Um, I couldn't I couldn't make it past season four. Maybe I'll come back to it some other time. But uh, yeah, I, I give a, a loose recommendation. Yeah, I would say I would say it's worth watching the first season of, even if you're not really an anime fan, you just want to see what it's all about. It's a lot of fun. It's available be on unlike, like, multiple speed streaming platforms. I think it'll be unlike anything you've ever seen, and you're going to suddenly feel like there has never been a good American action hero since the '80s, basically. I mean, yeah. if you don't already believe that, but yeah, that's true. Because yeah. these, these these are some action stars, man. Yes. People are going to think I'm such a neocon or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you think like all men should have like a 50 inch chest and like. Well, I mean, like, my, my, mine's kind of big, but for the wrong <laughs> reasons. <laughs> Let's not go down and, that and road. Giant Let's not go down that road. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, so what um, else are we going to talk about? We're talking about Final Fantasy VII. Uh, we're going to talk about that a bit, but let's let's cover a little bit of what we have been doing in the meantime. Um, I'm not going to go over everything I've been playing, um, but I find it interesting. I've been playing a lot of visual novels lately. Um, and I think this is a genre that I actually greatly appreciate that I never got into of much before. Um, because I loved Phoenix Wright. I'd say Phoenix Wright is the first one that I really played. Then I played Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors, which is part of the Zero Escape series. Uh, those games I really liked, and I haven't, I didn't really play much more beyond those. And then um, YouTuber Post Mesmeric had a few videos on Danganronpa. And I was like, you know what? That seems interesting. Let me put them on my PlayStation watch list. Lo and behold, they went on sale. And I finally got around to playing the first Danganronpa. Um, You can see on my blog, uh, RamblePack64.com. I did post about it. It was really good. It was similar to Phoenix Wright, but it's tackling different kinds of um, ideas and themes. And what I started to realize is a lot of these visual novels tend to start ridiculous anime kind of-ness, but then they kind of just go overboard. 
But in service to the theme that they're telling, it's like, you know what? I understand what they're going for. And it's... It was a good game. And then I followed that up with, um... Same company, too. Spike Chunsoft. They evidently do a lot of these kinds of visual novel things. And, um... 428 Shibuya Scramble. The funny thing about 428 Shibuya Scramble is it was actually originally a 2008 Wii game, but it hmm. never released in America. They also ported it to, like, PSP and stuff like that. Never released it in America. It wasn't until recently, uh, for, like, its 10th anniversary, that they finally localized it and brought it to the States. And what makes it very interesting is that none of the imagery is anime. All of the imagery is live-action photography. Interesting. So they use uh, live actors and... The, the the way I can describe it is a more minimalist approach. It's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure. But you have five different character timelines that you're hopping between, and... It's... I'm trying to think of how to be as quick as possible without talking too much about it. But it was a very delightful game to play, despite the fact that it doesn't have a lot to its mechanics. And I actually wondered a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. does this really need to be a game, then? And thinking more about the themes that it was conveying and everything, like, if you take away the fact that it's a game, if you try and make it a book or you try and make it a TV show, you take away some of what makes it as good as it is. Um, I think it's better to say that it's a showcase for how minimal your mechanics can be to prove how different storytelling in a video game can be interesting um so i would i would highly recommend it and it's one of those games like it's like a japanese game i can easily recommend because there's no like immense cleavage bullcrap there's no <laughs> like over the top this or over the top that it's just plain text you don't have to listen to japanese language um with a lot of nice pictures of good actors doing their photography uh, their, their their posing and stuff and it's just a good story it's well told, it doesn't go that over the top. What is interesting is I found out the that there's an anime that's technically a sequel to it called Kanan. Hmm. I'm not going to talk too much about it. I will probably blog about all of these things. <laughs> but uh, having watched and finished the anime today, they make some interesting choices. And as I said, like they go when once you go from live action, it's like oh, all of a sudden we have um, much more sexualized outfits for some of these characters and. All of a sudden, some of the humor is more raunchy. And, oh my, that person's a real masochist, aren't they? <laughs> like, it's... Where you go from the, the... Yeah, that's interesting. It's like, you, you go from this thing where none of that is a factor. to And, and it does include some of the characters from the game, too. Uh, my favorite being Minato Minarikawa, who was a journalist. Who's kind of a jerk of a journalist, <laughs> but he's a good character. Um... But no, like that, I think it's just interesting that I've been getting more into the visual novel scene, and I think I'll be looking into seeing uh, if there's any more worth exploring. Because um, unfortunately, a lot of them do seem like they're targeted towards the more dating aspect, and it's like at this yeah, that's what I've seen a bunch of those. I'm like, oh, this this it looks interesting. I like the art style. You know, and it's like, oh, this is basically just a dating simulator, whatever, a relationship. Which is funny because I'm looking, in, I'm interested in Sakura Wars coming out, even though it's part dating simulator. Well, I mean, let's be serious. <laughs> let's be serious. Like, Dragon Age is, you know, part dating simulator, so. 
Yeah, that's true. They Mass Effect. Very different sensibilities. Obviously, very especially different. especially because again, like you look at Bioware and it's like, what's the end goal of every relationship? To get laid. Yeah. Well, it also makes me think of. Um, I played Record of Agarest War, which was like a, a strategy RPG uh, a while ago. And part of the strategy in this strategy RPG was um, which of your, you know, waifus you build a relationship with. Waifu, not waifu. Sorry, man. It's not a mispronunciation of communion wafer. <laughs> well, I think of waifu. Like, I think of like a, a waif is like a really overly skinny person. It's a wife. It's, waifu. It's a like mispronunciation wife. of wife. Waifu. Uh, Look anyway, up Azamanga Dayo Waifu and anyway, you'll understand sorry. it. Because all these girls are like ridiculously skinny, so I was thinking wave. Anyway, Waifu. Um, anyway, you gotta, you gotta pick your, the, the right Waifu so that you can then have children with them. And then depending on who you um, pick, then it affects the abilities of the next generation. So it's like each so generation... Like Fire Emblem Awakening. Each generation needs to win a war... And then there's like a depending. Then you then during that war you build a relationship with someone, and then you get like a you know, like a really raunchy but still T-rated uh, picture of that one. And then then the next generation starts, and you have the, you play as your child, and then it, it continues. I only so it I keeps going. Okay, so it keeps going. There's multiple. So I think you I think it's like ten generations or something if you keep playing. I only played like four or five. But Interesting. Uh, anyway, so that's that's the closest I've come to something like that, where it's like... Fire Emblem Awakening has elements of that, too, where you can mix and match. The weird thing about Fire Emblem is it feels more like I'm playing Matchmaker, and it was especially true in Three Houses, where it's like I have... Like, I, I illustrated it to friends with a clip from Spaceballs where he's playing with the dolls again. <laughs> um, it's that's like, I feel like that with some of the characters. It's like, you two are going to make kissy face now! Mm. And it's like, you just smash the dolls together, hoping that they... <laughs> It's, that, that's what it feels like, but also, everyone's always about waifu, waifu, waifu. There's also husbando. Husbando. husbando yeah, everyone, everyone forgets about husbando. Uh, so anyway, so what I've actually been playing, not Record of Algorist War, I played that like <laughs> seven years ago or something. Um, as if seven years ago was that long ago. I was like, you know, a full-grown adult. Adult? <laughs> adult. Uh, at that point. So, um, so... I still haven't finished East 8, which I'm ashamed of. <laughs> I, basically, the problem is at this point, I'm trying to, like, completionist it and get all the things so I can get all the points, so I can get the best ending in one playthrough. And it's and it's sort of making it longer than it should be. You want to feel better? I started Witcher 3, and I'm pretty sure I'm still in White Orchard, so... Yeah, okay, I feel a little better. <laughs> um, and in the meantime, I've played some of Death Stranding, which gave me some of the same feeling that Breath of the Wild gave me, which is that, man, this game would be great if I just had like a day to just <laughs> sit and mess around in this world. But instead I'm trying to cram it into 30 minutes here, an hour there, and it's just not really, I feel like, uh, other than that, I have some other issues with the gameplay that I don't really find fun. Um, like walking across mountains while like balancing a payload on your back, a payload of like a load or whatever, just like that's not like engaging gameplay to me. Maybe I'm crazy. Like there are engaging elements of it, but it feels like 
you spend most of your time doing the less engaging thing. Like, okay, you, you stealth through all of these, like, evil, whatever they're called, and now you've got to, like, sue the crying baby. But it's just, <laughs> just like... Again, I think if I had more time to, to like, dedicate it, where it wasn't, like, my entire PlayStation... My PlayStation, my entire play session... I can't talk tonight, apparently. If my entire play session wasn't a frustrating self-session section followed by <laughs> comforting a crying baby, I might enjoy the game more if I could then move on to the next part after that, sort of enjoy it in context. Um, so I, I'm, I admit that I'm not giving the game a fair shake, but I also don't love it. Um, I mean, it happens when you're a dad of three boys. It does. I've done enough comforting of crying babies in my life. <laughs> so, uh, now, I don't know if this really hit the podcast that hard, but Overwatch has really replaced Destiny as my drug of choice. You say this after just celebrating hitting, like, 100 on the latest season. Well, yeah, because it was like a last-ditch effort to climb to 100 because I hadn't been playing Destiny very much. <laughs> uh, so, so, I'm really... I'm, what's funny is... So I have this Destiny character, right? He's got a face, and I made that face. And I've spent like thousands of hours with this Destiny character. Um, Tell me you don't know what the face looks like. I know what the face looks like. Uh, most, Both of my Destiny characters, my Warlock and my Titan. But like, even with, with, with 10 minutes of, basically 10 minutes of or less of cutscenes, and a handful of voice lines, Overwatch has made me feel so much more attached to my main characters in Overwatch than I feel to these Destiny characters that I've spent hundreds of hours with. And it's just kind of interesting how how that works. Um, so I've been really enjoying uh, the the tank main game, um, and uh, and also a little bit of support. But, and just sort of, it's almost like learning a completely new skill. Like, you can play as one of the the shooter, the, the damage characters that plays mostly like you would expect a Soldier 76 or Widowmaker or something like that where it plays like, if you played Counter-Strike, it plays like, okay, you're playing Counter-Strike, you got a sniper rifle. Yeah. You also have a grappling hook, but, right, or, you like, know, you've yeah. got, you, you, the abilities make a lot of sense. But then when you're playing, like, okay, you're Reinhardt, you've got a hammer and a shield. And your abilities are you can put out the shield, you can hit people with the hammer, and you can charge at people and pin them to the wall. Or nine times out of ten, charge into the wall and, miss and then the get person. shot in the back. Yes. Until you're good at Reinhardt, like I am. And then you charge into the person. Or you use charge as a mobility move to get around the map quickly and less to actually attack enemies with. Uh, always talking yourself up. Always talking myself up. Uh, not that yeah. I don't use it on enemies. I mean, I, th I think there but is... But anyway, it's... What are you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, I think there is a difference between... I can't talk either. Because the quote-unquote character you play in Destiny isn't really a character. They're largely a cipher or an avatar for you, the player. Right. So, I mean, I can't really say I care about my character in Destiny either, but that's because they're not a character. Right, and that's, the, I think that's partly the fault of Bungie on uh, not 
on de-charactering your character. Uh, they had a little bit of a, in the De Destiny One campaign. You have at least the tiniest bit of personality, um, but as as it continued, they basically stripped you down to the point where you know Nolan North is your voice. Um, in a lot of ways, yes. And, and, and your character gets like one line per season, basically, but one line per year almost at, at this point of Destiny. And it, it really, as somebody who loves, I think what I what I most love about RPGs is the character, are the characters, and of being a character. And so when you take the RPG elements of Destiny, but you sh you strip out yourself as a convincing character, and you fill most of the rest of the game with vague stereotypes. Um, you know, he's the honorable commander of the Vanguard. And you know, yeah. she's the, like, works with him, but she's also mostly just the We're honorable. just gonna make her angry sometimes. She's angry. And he's the mysterious guy who lives on Mercury and wears a mask all the time. And he's a rebel from the Vanguard because he's been messing with dark magic. And, uh, you know, like, it just, it's, I mean, again, I've spent I've spent so much so much time with this game. I can't really criticize it that much. It's just I feel the pull of of colorful characters and all that stuff. And Chris was watching me play before, and he's like, "What did you say? This is the Smash Brothers of shooters, or something I, I, like I that." I said it has a lot. If I said like this is like the shooter version of Smash Brothers, would you understand what I meant? Yeah. And you basically said you, you basically said exactly what was on my mind, which is. If you don't, if you're not actual an active player of the game, then just watching it is it seems like utter chaos. Right. Where like, meanwhile, I'm thinking I'm I'm using a Brigida, who's a support, who's also a little tanky, and uh, so like I'm imagining a such a situation. We're in a big cluster fight, and so I stun the first guy, and then I'm thinking about okay, I need to whip shot this other guy who's charging at me and knock them back. And then I just need to start swinging so I keep on generating healing for my team as I'm swinging my mace. Because every time you make contact with the mace, you add five seconds to your healing counter where you're healing in an area. And and so, but then if you look at that from an outside perspective, it's just like... There I was thought hitting, you died two or three times. There was hitting like, and slamming and, you know... And thinking you died, so it's... And then I didn't die, but... Yeah, so anyway, that's that's been a lot of my uh, what I've been doing. I'm really... I'm gonna hit, finish up East 8 so that I can start Tokyo Xanadu, maybe EX. Which is what I'm playing. Yeah, we might be able to do a spoiler. Ooh! We need to finish Halo 5 and we can do a spoiler on that, because me and Nolan have been playing... Um, we played Gears of War 4, and we need to get to Gears of War 5 after Halo 5. Um, because I want to talk about Halo Five. When, I do too. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're a couple of years late, but that's fine. Um, we're several years late. Several years late. Yeah, we'll, so we'll so is everyone else? Next, so next, is everyone else that didn't care about the Xbox One? Yeah, so. we'll, we'll be in time for the next console generation. It'll be cool. Uh, no, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> but the um, I mean, we'll be, we'll have our Halo Five review ready in time yeah. for the launch of this of the oh, Xbox, Xbox SX. X. We we, which a real shame is. Me and Nolan ended up going back and playing Halo 3 ODST. 
I'm going to be honest, it felt good just playing some of the consistent difficulty again. Like, playing something that was clear and simple, as opposed to Bungie and, alright, what quests do I got to chase today? What do I have to chase for the world? And I, we've talked about this a bit before. And part yeah. of it was that I got used to, but when it came to this new season, it went right all back the way it was. I could not get into this season. But Yeah, yeah. I think, and that's the, the community at, at large is not really happy with it. Um, I feel like a lot of them, from, from what I've been hearing, a lot of the new players who got it free to play and are paying $9.99 per season are like totally loving it. Um, but the old players who were there for you know, the Dark Below and the Taken King and all that, like, um... So when you think about it, Shadowkeep wasn't actually, like, it felt good at first. And I liked Shadowkeep for the most part, but you're right, when you think of Taken King and even Rise of Iron, yeah, it's like, the, the, these expansions, like... Well, see, at least... It's so, not bad, but it's not... So, so, so the, the three best expansions, Taken King... Rise of Iron and Forsaken, all three gave you, in addition to a campaign, they gave you totally new areas to explore uh, with interesting things to do and in addition to in secrets sort of beyond the main thing. Shadowkeep gave you the moon back with some extra stuff, but it just didn't feel... It wasn't the Dreaming well, City. The, it wasn't, it wasn't nope. the Dreadnought. Well, that it too wasn't. Was, it wasn't even the Siva infected. Cosmodrome. You started on the Tangled Shore, and then you got to the tank, the, the 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 Dreaming City. But right. Anyways, well, yeah, sorry, anyway, but yeah, we don't want to talk. We, we don't want to make because we have to talk about the Final Fantasy VII demo, and this is where we need to put on the video because Chris and I are gonna have a fist fight. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. Because, like, okay, look, if I really hated this thing, I would not have played through it three times. Twice on my own, and once because I wanted to show my sister. Now, my sister hasn't really played games since Final Fantasy VII, just about. Like, once once things started to enter the PS2 era and stuff, she kind of fell off. And while she did finally finish Final Fantasy IV, um, when she asked me, you know, like, I want to play something newer on the PS2... By now, the 360 was on its way out. We were looking at the Xbox One coming in. She's like, okay, now, now, now that we're at this point, it's like, I want to play something newer. Uh, what do you recommend? I tried to get her to play Final Fantasy X. She decided on 12. I hadn't played 12, and I told her this, and I told her it's not going to be at all the same. She insisted she wanted to play the, what was newer. And then she started asking me for help, and I couldn't help her because I didn't know what to do. <laughs> to do. Ten would have um, been the much better pick for ten, Final Fantasy VII. Ten, exactly. Ten, I knew was going to be along the lines of what she expected out of a Final Fantasy. While still evolving things a bit. But yeah. that's the thing, though. Because she has a lot of fond memories of Seven as well. It was the last video game she really played She regularly. played Lost Odyssey. Have you played Lost Odyssey? A little bit. I haven't played far into it. She has not played Lost Odyssey. She has not been able to play games very often for a long time. I think um, she has an Xbox One in the house. She could probably easily get in it her daughter's game. room. The PlayStation Four is in her son's room. Okay, never she's mind. got a SNES Classic in the main room. <laughs> there you go. Um, That's where she, she she has my niece Michaela play Earthbound nice. and beat up the crows. <laughs> <laughs> See now, I'm really sorry that I said Lost Odyssey. 
I, I, I have it for playing on my Xbox One at some point. I want to get to it. Do it now. So I got Witcher 3 and Lost Odyssey. So Do it Tokyo now. No, Lost I'm playing Odyssey. Tokyo Xenadu before Persona 5 Royal, and once that comes out, my life is taken up by Persona and Final Fantasy 7. It's, I'm, I lose, sir. All right, here's the deal. Pause Tokyo Xanadu. Wait for me. Play Lost Odyssey, because Lost Odyssey is, is probably the best. I'm going to say this. You ready for this? The best JRPG in the last 20 years. I'm not going to argue with that, but that's also because I can't argue with that. <laughs> um, we'll but it was see. Final Fantasy VII, maybe we'll Final see. Fantasy VII remake. So, so, so this trumps Witcher Three. JRPG. No, I mean, I mean like in, in terms priority. Of, in terms of priority, I would. <laughs> We're not you, even you talking need, about Final You need to play yet. them both, but oh man, but you're so far behind on Lost Odyssey at this point. Like, Lost Odyssey was a game I, like, stayed up till 3 in the morning playing. I, I, ah. Anyway, so Final Fantasy VII demo. Okay, yes, so let me, let me go. I played it three times, so I don't hate it, obviously. I've, I've, so I've only played it once, even though I did have to play the boss fight twice because I'm terrible. I, I told Noel, because no, me and Noel were playing online when you posted that. And he read it off and he's like, ha! The Final Fantasy VII demo music. He's like, Steve says he sat on the main screen and it made him weep. And I was like, you know what, Nolan? Normally I'd make fun of him for that. But listening to that prelude makes me weep sometimes too, so I can't I can't I can't make fun of him for it. I can't say nothing. Cause But for me, it's mostly like listening to that prelude like what really did it was when I went to see Distant Worlds, right? Mm. Um, and they start with a prelude, and it's not just starting with a prelude, it's they have the video that's playing the series from the beginning. And like you mentioned, Final Fantasy VII was like there for you in like a tough time in your life. The thing is, for me, Final Fantasy was there for my entire life hmm. from the beginning, man. Like we had the original Nintendo. I was an itty bitty, and I would play the first area of Final Fantasy because I had this habit as a kid. I played like the opening area, mm -hmm. and then I was like, "Oh, I'm bad at games because I'm a little kid, so I'm going to stop here and then come back and start from the beginning later." So Final Fantasy was one of those. Like I always fought Garland. Maybe I got to the Pirates. And then afterwards I stopped playing because I was like, okay, it's going to get too hard from here. Um, but like Final, I almost beat Final Fantasy 1. I, I almost beat it. Um, Final Fantasy, when it was localized, when Final Fantasy 4 was localized as Final Fantasy 2, like me, my brother, my sister were amazed Final Fantasy got a sequel and all. And that became like the reason I love video games as much as I do. Um, that became like, oh, video games can tell a dramatic story as well. Um, Final Fantasy VI, of course, hugely important game to me. And then Final Fantasy VII, and I'm in middle school, and this is like beginning the next phase of like what defines my, like, what defines my taste, my love of things, my interests. And Final Fantasy VII, man, is right there. And we didn't have a PlayStation yet, we had, but we had just moved. I was finishing up at my old school. My cousin would pick me up and we'd play Final Fantasy VII, or I'd play it. He he bought it because the commercials made it look good. He, he never really played J, uh, JRPGs before, so he wasn't really into it at first. Um, I played it every day. I did my homework. 
um, and then I'd play it. Um, dude, they, it, it has so many memories attached to it for me. And yeah, like this is a big important game for me. But Advent Children onward, I was like just Final Fantasy VII. Advent Children was laughable to me. Before Star Wars existed, to me, that was the most expensive fan fiction ever created. <laughs> um, I, I, I see. see I, so I, this I, is I'm, this is where we defer. This is where we I, where I really like. I enjoyed Advent Children. I enjoyed Dirge of Cerberus. No, no, go 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 into your own little biography there, like discovering Final Fantasy VII and playing it at a yeah. Okay, time. so so like yeah. So for me. Uh, I had never played a Final Fantasy game before. I had never played a turn-based RPG before. I loved the the art. Uh, something about the art drew it to me. I saw the PC version, so I think this this might have been I might have, probably would have been fifteen at the time, I guess. Um, a few years, a couple years older than me. Yeah, yeah. I was around thirteen. So and um, I played the demo first. I got the demo on some disc, like like PC gaming or something like that, with the review of it, and. Um, and so yeah, so I, I I picked it up when I saw it in the store after having played the demo like four four or five times through, and I just remember the music and and everything about it was just so different from anything I had played, and um, for for whatever reason you know the story of Cloud who was sort of like he's this guy who who acts like he's the big tough guy. Um, but then, like, deep inside, he's actually just, like, the wimpy kid. Uh, and that, that felt a little bit like me because, you know, I played I played um, varsity sports in high school and stuff. And so I, like, there was a part of me that was, like, the big tough guy playing, starting varsity soccer and playing varsity basketball. But then there was this other part of me that was not at all that. Um, and so I, I guess for me... Um, this is hilarious because I only know you as an adult. So it's like... You was a big tough guy, right? Right. Yeah. No. Mister so, actually works out a lot and can like bench all <laughs> kinds of pounds. Like, all, and me, I'm just like you're a hipster. Look all, at your hair. All kinds of pounds. But no. So like, so so sort of the the duality of that character, and then sort of him coming through and, and finding the 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 sort of the 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 synergy between that, where he is he is Cloud. He's not Zach. Um, Spoilers, but, man! Come on. But at the same time, yeah, people that won't find that out for like ten years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but at the same time, he's he's found a, a space between those two, where he has he has the power and the ability to protect his friends that he didn't have when he was in in his sort of. What, and what actually happened, and not his fake memory version of what happened. And You're so, still spoiling way too much. I'm man. spoiling so much, man. <laughs> um, but so anyway, so there are there are legitimately people that are going I into have this. No blind, idea what you were going to this blind. I know. I'm so sorry. Uh, hopefully, none of you are listening an hour into this podcast. So anyway, so so just a lot of that really hit me. Um, and so I guess for me, like a lot of these ideas of of identity and who you are and being in control of yourself and what you do, just those themes really resonated with me. And I've replayed it again in college, uh, replayed it again. I probably replayed it twice in college or at least started it twice in college and I played it again in my 20s. And uh, 
So it's a game I, I've gone back to multiple times. I didn't see myself going back to the original again as it's been re-re-re-released on various platforms. Um, but the remake, um, there was definitely... I, so, here's sort of, here's where I'm at. I, I love the nostalgia elements of it, the, the prelude, um, that intro scene, and now you can actually kind of tell what Aerith is doing, uh, which is cool. Um, I mean, you kind of could have the original, but it's like they linger on it now. Yeah, they, they sort of give you a little more. But all that stuff and the, the way it all hits is is great nostalgia. But then at the same time, I'm not. I think I think I think uh, I think Nolan said this in the in the chat where the that version still exists and will always exist. Oh, no. Joey, Joey, Joey said. I was Joey that said. But that's because that. Joey's the kind of guy that wants a remake to be completely different anyway. Right. So I guess that's for me. I'm. I guess to some degree, I'm. While I want the nostalgia hits, I'm also ready for it to be different. And so if. And I, I'll, I'll be more ready to judge it when I have the final product in my hand. What someone pointed out to me, and it, like, it really only, because it's funny, it's, it's sort of a feedback, because what I helped other people, uh, someone else realize was, looking at the trailers and everything else, it feels like what Final Fantasy VII Remake is, it's not a remake of the original game, it's a reinterpretation based off of that game's legacy. Hmm. And the unfortunate thing is, the things a lot of members of the audience latch onto aren't necessarily the things that make it good. And I don't mean this in, the, in, in that, I don't, mean this, I don't mean to say this in a condescending fashion. Not everyone is like, like I know I'm like one of the only people, if not the only person, that saw the new opening cutscene and thinks it's like proof positive they don't even get their own creation because we don't open up with the stars instead. Hmm. The original game opens up with a the, whole the, shot yeah, of the stars the and star. you're hearing the planet or planets crying. You're hearing the voices of the planet or planets. One of those two. And what does the outer space represent? It represents the origin of the great greatest threat and it represents the origin of the true villain which that it switches over then immediately to the true hero and yes there that she's sitting at this leaky mako faucet but what is she listening for when she's sitting there like there's so much that goes into the opening of the original game and here they're just like now we're just going to have her sitting by the Mako thing. Right, and also, like, that no, was... I'm the only person that cares about that, though. I, I acknowledge that. And, and so, so I, I'm. And I, now that I think about the stars, that does bug me a little bit. Um, because then, <laughs> then that also. Because that ties into the the sort of um, the, the flashback of Tifa and Cloud's children stargazing. Um, That's a good time, yeah. And, and that sort of being the. The beginning point of this journey, Cloud is going off to become a soldier. Tifa is staying in Nibelheim, and and that starts with the with them staring up at the Looking stars. The stars, and yeah. the same way that now this journey of Cloud's like self actualization begins with the stars, uh, and, and so and then the same way that the, this crisis 
began with a threat from the stars. Yes. Where there, there's all of this, there is a lot of... And... But here's part, I mean, part of that's also Yoshinori Kitase is a film director. Or he, okay, I shouldn't say that. He wanted to be a film director. His inspiration is from film. Tetsuya Namada and the scenario writer are clearly much bigger anime fans. Mm. And that's going to create a far wider difference in uh, sensibilities between the two. That's why Cloud's suddenly jumping 10 feet in the air. Like, and, and because they threw that kind of crap into Advent Children. And that's the thing, too, like, comparison of differences. Like, how many people, when they saw Sephiroth and Advent Children, were like, Oh my gosh, Sephiroth! And meanwhile, I'm like, ugh. Really? He's dead. Come on. Like, let's Find a new that. villain. And it's like, it was like that in Advent Children with Rufus, okay. too. It's like, come on, man, he's dead. And then he stands up and he's got no scars. And it's like, man, come on. Like, that was my yeah. reaction to Avon Children. So, how am I supposed okay. to react when the stinking Rude from... Not Rude, I forget which one it is. Red hair guy from the Turks is now in the trailer doing anime, like, teleportation crap. It's like, he's he's a spy with a shock stick. He can't do that. Like, why is he Shoot, doing that Shoot, what was his now? name? He was my favorite one. Because Rude was the was the dude with the glasses. The, the, who likes Rude to was bald. Yes. Who is the other guy? It's gonna kill me, man. It is, especially because I've been playing the game. I should know. Um, I've been playing the original Final Fantasy. And the original Final Fantasy VII, yeah. No, okay. So, so we can we can get into. So, there's some other stuff in there. Um, like you specifically, the this biggest change is that the bomb is a dud, and yes, Shinra and this blows is where their own. This is where we get into the George Lucas thing of this, which is what well, I was it's, it's definitely it's a Han shot first moment because it, is, it changes. It changes Avalanche from, and so let me let, let me finish this thought real quick. It changes Avalanche from being not so like you would say morally gray, but even even a little bit past that. Um, to they've killed innocent people in the effort to shut down these reactors deliberately. Now something like I get that from a story perspective, as as a mass market storyteller. Terrorism has taken on a different light, especially since 1997. Um, and I, th I think that that's probably more than... More We're than, 19 years separated from 9-11. Well, uh, yeah, but it's... I, I think... I think the way that... Where, okay, in the 90s, think about one of your... In, in the in Western world, one of your biggest terrorist organizations that probably served to some degree of, of of inspiration for Avalanche was the IRA. You know, no, 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 no. I don't actually buy into that because in the mid '90s there were actually a lot of major bombings. That there were there were major bombings in Japan, and in Japan, like they'd be sensitive to it, but instead it was like, no, I, I, don't, I, I don't, I don't buy into that level of sensitivity. I, I don't. I think that's actually a bad... Like, maybe... I, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. That that could have actually inspired them. Like, they're, they are thinking, you know, in, in today's current climate, we don't want these guys, but... We I, don't want them to be... That basically, we've, we've reached a point where we're looking at... Or even, like, so, so I was saying with, the, like, the IRA. And so some people would look at the IRA as having been somewhat noble. They're fighting for the independence of Ireland. Um... And they're doing it in a morally bad way by by 
car bombs and other things and, and hurting innocent people. But at the very least, you can get on board with their thing. Where even they said, you know, we're not gonna like restop the bombings because the the way that terrorism is in the world today, like we're not, we don't want to be a terrorist organization like that. And so I can see, I I, I still think I would agree that from a from a story perspective, from making it more avalanche, more morally gray, I think that is. It is better for Avalanche and Barrett to be morally great, for Barrett to have real blood on his hands. But I can understand from yeah. a cultural perspective that the shift in the last 25 years has made them want to say, we're not going to have Avalanche actually have this kind of blood on their hands. <sighs> I mean, that enters into a whole new realm of reasons why I don't like that decision. I mean, you're probably right. It, it seems like you, that definitely seems like the way a big corporation might think in this day and age where, yeah, terrorist bombings are at least in the news more often. And it's such a shame to me because it's like, look, people have been able to play this game. Nobody abandoned it for the first time they were playing it because of that. But it's... Yeah, I know. It's a shame because... Like, that, that Barrett doesn't know what he's... And granted, the fact that the bomb's a dud, it's better than Han shoots for, uh, second, and that Han... Like, the very next scene, Han Solo is about to take down a lone TIE fighter in cold blood, when the whole reason you, you, you made him shoot second was so he doesn't seem like a cold-blooded killer. Right. Like, it, that, it, that's it, clueless there. It'd but, be more like Han's gun misfires... And then he fixes it and shoots the guy or something, right? Or like something. This, this is the same kind of general avalanche incompetence because avalanche is incompetent. Right. Um, that's the point. Like, They're Barrett so incompetent they doing. couldn't even hire a proper soldier first class. Um, <laughs> Would you stop it with that stuff? This is why like a lot of people like focus on like the big spoiler and it's like, there's a lot of things in this game that you can spoil, and nobody thinks about it because one overshadows them all. It's true. It's like there's a lot of stuff you can spoil in this. And it's true. Red 13's real name is Nanaki. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> His father was actually. No, 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 no. That's not what we want. We want people to. That, that's one of those moments where you can cry. I maybe did once or twice. Um. That, that's a men. That's one of those scenes where it's like, man, you are permitted to cry. Um, oh man, it's gonna be with, with the like real soundtrack and the the you know next gen graphics. I don't know. What do you I, mean? I I, I, I know. I, the I, 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 cried in, I cried in 1997 um, or 1998, whenever it was. Yeah, you would have gotten like 98, 99. Whatever. Yeah. Um, PC so, port. Yeah. PC port. So where was I? So anyway. So all right. Let's let's talk about the so. Obviously, there's going to be some changes. We don't like them. They're leaning a little bit more heavily into this like cloud, like, oh my head, oh, oh, it's black feather. But well, there's, there's, I'm guaranteeing there's going to be elements of the of his story and calm are going to be worked into this. Because the weird thing about this remake is by making it all in Midgar, every like the first three to five hours of game have to be stretched like 50 or 60. It's but crazy. Then the rest of the game 
they're going to have to start doing some condensing now. Um, I guarantee, like, if I were to guess, they can't do any. They can't do more than four entries in this. This can't be more than four games. Five episodes at the max. There's no way you're going to stretch it out much longer than I that. I wonder. Yeah, that's it's, interesting. It's not gonna. It's not gonna. I wonder. Work. I wonder. Does the first continent become another like disc two, essentially? Like not disc two, but like. I, my guess would be the next game would end at the Temple of the Ancients, but even that is like okay. Well, if you're stretching out Midgar this much, what are you gonna do for Junon, Cosmo Canyon, and the Gold Saucer? And then Rocket Town and Temple of the Ancients. Like those are the five big destinations of the next step of the game. For Condor, Calm, the Chocobo Ranch, the Mithril Mines, like some of this stuff. Oh, you go back to Nibelheim too. So there's yeah, that next stretch of games, there's a lot of locations. So it's like either you go. I wonder if it'll end in Nibelheim, Nibelheim, whatever. If that would be the place to end it. The return to Nibelheim. Anyway, nothing major really happens there. Well, that's part of the problem. Is like, what is a major story point that's worth ending this game on, or ne- the next game on? But we'll have to see because we'll that's the thing. Like, we don't even know where this, this one's one going to end. This one stretched so much, but the rest aren't going to. They're not. The rest they're are going to have to condense. Yeah, they're going to have to condense a lot of stuff. Um, so who 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 knows what it's going to look like in the future? So this one's going to be weird. You're going to see elements of calm brought into Midgar. I guarantee. And that's was that's another element that I kind of miss because one of the great things about Midgar, as it's told in the original game, and Yoshinori Katase even mentioned one of his inspirations was Jaws. You don't see Jaws in the for the most most of the movie. You see very little of him, but you hear about him. So you get this idea of the shark built up in your mind. And film has, of course, worked on this in years. Like they want to mm. build up the reveal of the monster, kind of a thing. Uh, less so with CG now, but um, you still have people like working that kind of thing into their film direction. And so you have Sephiroth. You don't see Sephiroth in Midgar at all in the original game. Yeah. People mention him occasionally, and it's just as the great Sephiroth or the legendary Sephiroth. They don't really say anything about what happened. You don't get any sense of Sephiroth, and the only thing you see is his sword. Yeah, let's not spoil again. Um, you see this one. I can't get over the fact that we're like redacting spoilers of a 23-year-old game right now. Because there are plenty of people that are... like I, I know plenty of people that have said they don't really know anything about the story. And especially... That, that's the weird thing, too. You're thinking about the first three to five hours of a 30 to 50-hour game. And it's like, okay, well, I don't know... like. Well, that, that's a lot to that's a lot to try and not spoil. I, I remember getting out and thinking like, like I feel like what getting out of Midgard, Midgard was that even the end of disc one? Oh gosh, no. The end of right. disc one isn't until after the big major. Spoiler. Yeah, that's, that's what I think. Yeah, okay, yeah. So I'm thinking like I, I get out of mid. I remember the first time I played it, and I'm like, am I gonna have to change the disc here? It's three discs. Like, how big can this game be? <laughs> uh, so a- anyway, anyway, so uh, what would, so we should real quick touch on the gameplay. What did you think of the combat system? Um, that's the biggest reason I'm excited for this game. I'll actually be honest. Like I played the demo and I was like, like I played it a second time in part because, dude, especially lately, like, I there it's been so hard to latch onto like 
gameplay games. Yeah. Um, like I said, I've been digging the visual novels and stuff, but like the past couple months, like I've been trying and trying. Like there's nothing that really feels like ah, like it's substantial. And this was like, you know what? I want to play this again, and now I want the remake to be out because I want this combat system. I want to play more of this combat system. It's simple and yet not. Um, because yeah, most of the simple, like basically most enemies, you're not going to need to think about the whole pressure thing. You're, I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to just hack and slash through them. And what it comes down to is prioritizing. Okay, which enemies do I want to kill first? And then which melee enemies do I want to save for the Punisher mode? Because yeah. that that you can't block um, ranged attacks with that, but you're able to do an immediate counterattack. And being able to work out these strategies for building your ATB gauge using the different abilities, like that that yeah, that's, that's what great. that's what got me in the first boss fight. Is I didn't manage my ATB well, and so I got into this cycle. The first boss was, fight's a little rough anyway. Yeah, that boss fight. I, I was like. I was using overcharge to get to get some things, but then I was already too injured, and so I was using a potion with my ATB gauge, and I was having to get overcharge back up. And I also didn't realize I could separately target the shield generator, which oh, that was boy. the big. That I'm like, what am I supposed to do here? I can't hit it. Like it's not. You gotta hit the field generator. Like, magic. Yeah, the field generator first, and then, and then it sort of made sense. Um, the second time I just burned through it, but like. Which also, but at the same time, it helped me get used to the the aspect of the combat system where you're you're switching between Barrett and Cloud. Um, you're you know certain phases in the fight were Barrett phases and other phases were Cloud phases, and sort of quickly switching between them is how you made that all work. Or issuing Bar issuing commands to Cloud from Barrett or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I really, yeah, I really enjoy the combat system. I think it's a good um, sort of evolution of a, some of what Final Fantasy XV failed to do, I think. It's, I mean, if I'm being 100% honest, I'd rather this be the combat system for a new Final Fantasy XVI. But you take what you get. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be a fun game to play. And I think what I've realized, too, with the boss, though, is there's... A lot of stuff on screen that's not presented in a manner that's necessarily visible. Hmm. Um, for example, every enemy's like attack can be seen above their name, but their names are always jumping around with them. So you might be looking at their health bar, but are you seeing what attack they're they're they're? Yeah, I found that tough to track at first. That was something I needed to work. And on. that's the thing; most of those attacks are better to block some of them you, you do, like the EMP thing like it had an EMP radius you can roll dodge out of that but you yeah. also kind of got to be careful with some of your attacks it's a whole lot of um and you're going to take damage no matter what I think that's the part that's most frustrating is it's a game where you're going to take damage so you need healing you need health stuff and you can't switch materia in the beginning you can't give Cloud the cure materia Barrett has to hold on to it why Barrett? I don't know, man. I never. It's Barrett. Well, no, I probably gave. I probably would have given Barrett the cure materia until, like, round two. Nah, man. Cloud's more of a magic user than Barrett. But anyways, that's um. No, like, I, I think really what it comes down to is figuring out enemies and like, okay, how do I stun them? How do I get them to stun? Yeah, but Barrett's the backline. 
So it makes more sense to give the cure material on the back. No, he's got bad magic, trust me. Having played, okay. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, I, I, we're talking about... This, this is the remake, so it's not necessarily the same, but... No, I mean, the, the, the Barrett, Barrett doesn't have the wisdom for magic. Let's just put it that way. Well, no, I, I, I understand that from a, from a perspective. I'm just, so my, my, my feeling was that just the Cloud is the front line and Barrett's the back line, and so your back line is your healer, not your front line. Uh, that was just my general strategy until, and again, that's only lasting for like the very first part of the game, and then once you add once you add more characters, then you've got better healer options and a, and a better backline. But yeah, I usually ran cloud. Well, the only difference is that Barrett's just as strong from the back. Right. Well, that's what I was saying. So you put you Barrett in the back with a gun, and you also make him the healer from the backline when you have him. But anyway, so that was. We can I mean, fight about it later. This we've been talking way too long. Yeah, we'll we'll inevitably get to talking more about the Final Fantasy VII remake. We will play like, it whenever. Month yeah, or whenever so. we finally beat it. Yeah, we'll talk about it in July. Yeah, except um, for this is going to be one. I'm just going to be up and in, up into the middle of the night until I beat it, playing it. So, and it's it should be fun at least. Um, we'll see what happens in the future with the next. Next thing you know, like sometime this year, they're like, by the way, next year. Episode 2 of the remake or something like that. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, and we'll see how much I complain. But I at least know that I can accept that this is going to be different. This is going to be the George Lucas thing of Final Fantasy VII. Um, they're going to implement all kinds of stuff. Like, I laughed when I saw the feather. <laughs> I know it was inappropriate, but I laughed. Because it's like, of course, they took... Because the fandom took the name of one song. And then it's like... Just like fan art, they've got to apply the the wing on him, and now it's as part of Crisis Core, it's part of Advent Children, I think. Like, the wing is always there, and it's like, guys, it was the name of a song. Like, why has it got to be a characteristic? Like, this is lame. Well, isn't like Sephiroth is like half angel? No. Like, like Seraph, like Sephiroth, Seraph. That's them pointing at words in a dictionary and saying, hey, this looks... Okay, not quite, because Sephiroth's like a tree of life kind of thing. Like, there, it's some kind of Jewish religion thing. Uh, I, I'd have to look it up, but no. They, I, mean, I, 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 I seem to be... I don't know, we can fight about it later. But I thought that that was just... That's like in the name. That he's like half angel. No. Alright, we'll fight about it later. We'll fight about it. We'll fight about it once you turn this off. Uh, www.ramblepack64.com. Uh, should you? Should you? I don't have anything to plug right now. <laughs> okay, not even your current job where you're. Talking yeah, I got about. a new job working at a company called Bloom Audio. Um, it's. I'm hesitant to plug it just because. It's I mean, I'd love to job. plug it. It's it is, well, it is my job, but that the uh, well, one it's my it's my like job job. Um, it's we sell a lot of high end portable audio, so like. Very expensive headphones. So you can hear how awful this pro podcast yes, is actually Yes, hear how bad we really sound wearing a pair of $3,000 Meze Empyreans. Um, and make sure you get the appropriate um, headphone amp to go along with that. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. It will sound amazing. All right. Uh, but that's, that's it all from us. So have a good night. Everybody. Have a good night.